What? The food? What? 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 <laughs> I mean, this is an area of history that's just like so deep. And over the baguette. Themes of empire, mission, inheritance, and destiny. Alright, hello and welcome back to What The Food. This is a podcast that aims to uncover the fascinating origin stories behind dishes from all around the world, both popular and obscure. My name's Miles and I'm hanging out with Andy. Hello there. Hello. 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 It's our mission to delve into history and to give you a whole new appreciation for dishes that we eat. Today's episode takes us on a journey to the origin of clam chowder. Clam chowder. <laughs> clam chowder. Clam chowder. What would you call a picture that a clam takes of itself? Go on. A shelfie. <laughs> nah, you know what? I'm not doing this podcast. <laughs> I'm done. Is it? Is it going to be full? Is this? Is this? Is, is, is the old podcast going to be full of clam puns? No, that's it. Done. Right. <laughs> Rest right. assured. Let's real get into it. Yep. I'd like to start this episode by reading or getting you, Miles, to read mm-hmm. a quote that perfectly encapsulates people's feelings about the food we are covering today. All right. Shoot. Clam. Clam chowder. I go on then read the quote. Yeah. All right. Now, clam chowder. <laughs> I thought you were going to interrupt me again on purpose. <laughs> go, Miles. Go. <laughs> clam chowder is one of those subjects, like politics and religion, that can never be discussed lightly. Bring it up, even incidentally, and all the innumerable factions of the clam bake regions raise their heads and begin to yammer. The clam so bake a... regions. Yeah, <laughs> what is we'll this get into all what that means later. Okay, but that right there is a quote from a chef called Louis P. de Goy, who was the author of a book called The Soup Book, which was written in 1949. Ooh. Who knew that clam chowder was such a hot topic? You know, yeah, to be compared with like politics and religion. Yeah, the two things you don't bring up at a dinner table. Yeah, mm. exactly. So, from Manhattan to New England, clam chowder is known for its competing varieties, as much for its comforting, briny flavour. It seems every state on the East Coast has its own take on the on the on this popular soup, mm-hmm. and even some of the West Coast states have tweaked the recipe to make it their own. Have you ever eaten clam chowder, Miles? I've had like you know, like one that you get from a supermarket. But mm. I don't think I think it's not going to be real chowder. That is it. It's going to be so far from no traditional true chowder. Yeah, yeah. Chowder Puritans would properly turn their nose up at that. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to say no. I haven't. I haven't had clam chowder. Have you? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I have. I think yeah, I'm very similar. I've had probably something mm. from a supermarket. Yeah. But I imagine it's just if not. we were to say that yeah, we've had clam chowder, we got it from Tesco. Americans <laughs> would be like, no, English clams are. Less briny, so you don't get the same flavour. Yeah. That's if there's any fucking clams in it at all anyway. Like, it's probably got like yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. 2% clam or something. I don't know. It's fish soup at the end of the day, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Uh, let's get rid of all this bullshit. It's fish yeah. soup at the end of the day. It's fish soup at the end of the day. I don't know. I think there's more to it than that in there. <laughs> Americans would like to think so, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. So we'll start with what is... Clam chowder. Mm. Clam chowder is fish soup. Right, moving on. Um, 
No. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the definition of chowder is... A soup or stew of seafood, as clams or fish, usually made with milk or tomatoes, salt pork, onions and other vegetables. So okay. that's the official definition of it, according so, to yeah. Merriam-Webster. So it says here, with milk or tomatoes. So I'm guessing then you get creamy, milky ones, and then you get, like, yeah. tomato-based ones. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Well, uh, after we've got to the bottom of what it is, we'll mm. um, we'll break down the uh, various regional differences. Versions. Yeah, and salt yeah, pork. Exactly. That's something salt that's pork, in yeah. all the variations of it, then, almost. For some of them, yeah. I believe. Salt um, pork. Because some of them don't even include vegetables, which we'll get to later on. Sure. But uh, I think that's just like a very generalised, trying to and make everyone happy. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that. So while there are different types of chowder, the clam variety is un- undoubtedly the most well-known. Mm-hmm. The definition of the soup varies depending on what part of the country you're in, but most, as the de- uh, the definition says, includes clams, potatoes, onion, and some form of pork. The biggest difference, really, between chowder is the broth. That seems to be what Americans argue the most about. <laughs> God, okay. S- some use milk to produce like a thick, creamy broth, mm-hmm. whilst others use like a red broth made with tomatoes and spices that kind of just ends up looking more like a watery curry really yeah um, and then there's also the clear side which is clear a completely clear broth that's made from just the clam juice okay get into. Mm-hmm. but um yeah while while each region may prepare chowder differently they all share one thing in common all of them feel their clam chowder is the best and the rest <laughs> of them are dishwater <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> Oh, again, uh, the 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 notion of getting territorial over your version of a certain dish we have seen yeah. it time and time again. I'm time aware. and time again, they absolutely love it. It's like a it's like a rivalry like football. Yeah, that's what it is. It's like this is the way to do it, and yours is shit. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's why exactly. like they compare it to politics and religion because like that is the same mm-hmm. way of thinking, isn't it? You know, my my mm-hmm. god is the god, therefore yeah. yours doesn't exist. Or politics, you know, conservatives is the way to do it, and it means yeah. everything that the Labour says is stupid. Do you know what I mean? It's just like exactly. that all exactly. or nothing approach that politics, religion, and you know your recipe of a, of a dish has in common. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. And like, if, if you've grown up in an area where your parents and your parents' friends and your uh, friends' parents all were saying, don't eat this chowder, yeah. it's shit. You're indoctrinated. Our way better. Yeah. You're indoctrinated and you're going to carry those resentments into yeah. your adulthood. Little four-year-old Johnny. I want this one <laughs> my grandma makes with the seawater. Your shitty one from New Portland. <laughs> Fuck that. When you said, four, when you said four-year-old Johnny, I just... First thing that went to my head was a condom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Proper crusty four-year-old joke. Oh, God. You do not want that in your club chowder. <laughs> no. no. Oh, God. No, that was a... Uh, yeah, that wasn't a Johnny. No, it was a little boy called Johnny. Yeah. Who was made because they didn't use a Johnny. Um, yes. Yeah. They should have. Uh, yeah, they should have. Because he's a little brat. <laughs> So let's do a quick rundown of the four most popular types of clam chowder currently knocking about in the US of A. All right. First one, Manhattan clam chowder. The Manhattan clam chowder has a red tomato-based broth that was initially introduced to America by Portuguese immigrants to the Rhode Island area. So we first see reference to this type of chowder in the 1800s, where it was called Fulton Fish Market clam chowder and New York City. 
clam chowder. That's a mouthful, that, isn't it? In it, yeah, way too long. Fulton Fish Check Market clam chowder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Step right up, Good. get your Fulton Fish Market clam chowder. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's like, what? What was that? What was that? <laughs> On a menu, he just like takes yeah. up two pages. <laughs> <laughs> right. Fulton Fish Market, by the way, is a fish market located in Bronx, in the Bronx, right. that has been there since 1822, which is mad Whoa. to think about. I think it's changed location recently, but it was in the mm-hmm. same place for around 183 years. Yeah. <laughs> and the properties to rent in the surrounding area were dirt cheap because it stunk of fucking <laughs> fish. It stunk of fish. Yeah. <laughs> Any washing that you put out was just fucking yeah. reek of haddock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're practically giving the places away for free. They want people to just fill it. (laughs) So, yeah, this is a a red chowder. And this style comes with all types of vegetables, such as celery and carrots. Um, And they often make like a mirepoix as they're uh, they're making it. Mirepoix, for those uneducated fiends out there, is (laughs) celery, carrots and onions. Mm, The the magical trio that makes Mm. up a good tomato-based sauce. Exactly. So... Yeah, that's that's a Manhattan one. I was just going to say before we move on that sure. I when I went to New York City, it's places <laughs> like that that I would have liked to have gone to. Do you know what I mean? Like obviously yeah. we went and we just hit up the the typical spots because you know you have to do that when you go to New York. You need to go see yeah, of uh, Liberty Island and you need to go and see Ground Zero and Cent- Central Park and all that. But it's kind of those those more like niche places that mm. if I was to go again, I'd want to hit up. You know this really old fish market. Like there's so much history there, and, this, and yeah. you're gonna find you're not gonna find many tourists there. You're gonna find the locals there, and it's mm-hmm. you, you're gonna get more of an actual flavour of traditional New York life visiting yeah. those kind of places. So it's the, yeah, it's those kind of places I wish I knew more about before I went. I think New York is one of them places where to experience it to its fullest you need to live there for like mm. three to six months. Yeah, and there's just so much so many so, so many tourist to trap areas. Yeah. You know, like mm. you need to try and remove yourself from that the best you can. Mm. If I ever go back again, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a point of trying to spend less time in Manhattan and, you know, go and visit the Bronx and go and visit Brooklyn and Queens and those kind of surrounding areas and get a bit of a better feel for traditional life. Right, moving on. The next one. New England clam chowder. This is your creamy boy. Creamy boy. That's what my mama called me. (laughs) My little creamy boy. Why does she call you that? Go on. Give me me some reasons as to why. Because late at night. She was woken up from bed with a little rustling noise downstairs in the kitchen. Hmm. She put on her nightie and go down. She sees little chubby mouse sat down on the floor outside the fridge, drinking milk and eating cream. <laughs> drinking milk and eating cream. <laughs> <laughs> Come to bed, mouse, you little creamy boy. <laughs> no, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop this one. <laughs> So this this is probably the most common type of chowder. This, yeah, this is, is the one I thought of when we yeah. said we were doing chowder. Exactly, exactly. Yep. This is milk or cream based. Um, that is much thicker than than the other versions of the of the dish. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's commonly made with milk, butter, potatoes, salt, pork, onions, and of course clams, <laughs> clams, clams, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to to thicken it up to give it that. Uh, Thick boy flavour, thick with two C's. Um, flour is often used. Or yep. more historically, something mm. called crushed hardtack. 
may be used Ooh. as a thickener. What's that? So hardtack is a type of savoury biscuit. Oh, I think I've seen something about this. Mm. Sea biscuit, they call sea it. Sea biscuit, they? exactly, yeah. So it was basically, right. it was like a standard ration for militaries and navies throughout the 17th, 18th and 19th century. Okay. Uh, basically, it's a hard as fuck biscuit with flour and water that was consumed on long voyages due to its extended shelf life. Right. So what you add you add water to it and or milk, did you say? And then so, what does it do? Does it soften but, up and you kind of eat it. No, no, so you can just eat it as is. Oh, right, okay. But they used it as thickener in the in right. the uh, clam chowder. It's so like making a bread sauce, like when we make bread sauce at Christmas time. Yeah. Kind of like introducing bread into a sauce that it's you know goes very thick. Goes very thick. Exactly. Gloopy. Yeah. yeah. I imagine it's a lot like the um laminous bread that Samwise always had in his pockets. Yes. That's what I yeah. imagine it's like. Grabs in his pockets. Is. <laughs> We're not doing this again. <laughs> We've already done treacle. <laughs> we need to leave it at least another like ten episodes before we yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come back to Spiegel. <laughs> so New England clam chowder, yeah, you you will you will often find um, New England clam chowder or Boston chowder, as it's as it's sometimes referred to. Boston, Boston. D- Boston. <laughs> like throughout chowder. this, I was trying to like figure out if I could do a Boston accent, and so the only thing that kept coming to my mind was, um, "Mommy's not wearing any panties." <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, I can't. I can't. I can't be going to say a sentence. Well, you have, though. <laughs> I have, yeah, yeah. You've got it there. You've got it. <laughs> Boston. And it's like, they go up at the end of sentences. It's not... Ooh, you, just pretty... It's kind of like Italian New York at that, maybe. We go down when we talk. They go up at the end of sentences for some reason. Yeah. Everything's on an upward spiral. Weird. <laughs> Weird, man. <laughs> Daddy. Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Now I've got like Smeagol saying that in my head. (laughs) I can't get out. (laughs) I'm not doing it. No, not doing it. (laughs) Move on. Anyway, tangents galore. So yeah, with the New England style Mm -hmm. chowder or the Boston uh, chowder, as it's sometimes referred to, you'll often find it served with oyster crackers or if he places real fancy, it's served in a bread bowl. Wow. <laughs> Throw what? the loaf out and just fill it with chowder. Yeah. It's like body chow all over again. <laughs> in yeah. Oh, I thought like a bowl that you have bread in. Oh. <laughs> Not an actual No. Bread. <laughs> so I just said throw the bread out of the bowl and fill it with chowder <laughs> what would be the point I know that's what I was thinking but these fucking yanks though they do shit that's weird all the time don't put it past them but no you were talking about an actual filling it with filling up the bread itself yes yes like a circular like a cob <laughs> right yeah style yeah. bread yeah. and then just uh, scooping that little bad boy out and just filling it with uh, yeah. with something else with chowder <laughs> We are back at bunny chow here, aren't we? Aren't we? Mm. So yeah, that's that's a New England style. Yep. So the next chowder that we're going to cover is the mm-hmm. Rhode Island clam chowder. Rhode Island. So that is, that's not far from no. New York City, all, isn't all, it? All, all of the chowders that we're going to be talking about are all from the West Coast mm. and are basic East Coast, sorry, um, Northeast. Yeah. And they are all situated around the New England, New York area. Because if you think about it, that's where the first settlers were. Mm-hmm. So that's just where... Yeah. And they've got the Atlantic Sea, haven't they? So they've got exactly. all that fresh fish exactly, to yeah. use. So, mm. in my opinion, the Rhode Island clam chowder is basically seawater. It's um, <laughs> just angered a whole area, but it's it's made with um, with a clear broth and contains yeah. no dairy or tomatoes whatsoever. Your right. your liquid is basically just the broth that you are left with after boiling your clams. 
Right, okay. So it's you, you, <clears throat> it's a fish stock, essentially. Yeah, that's basically that's it. it. An yeah. organic fish fish stock. Fish stock, yeah, yeah. But the now, thing is, to get a, a concentrated stock, you need a lot of, like, you know, when you make a chicken stock, you use, like, the whole carcass mm-hmm. uh, of a chicken, and you're extracting all that flavour from the bones. But if you're just using clams, is that going to give you a strong enough concentrated flavour? I don't know. Well, obviously, people from Rhode Island think they think it does. It's enough. Yeah. Yeah. It might be just like, quite a subtle one. Yeah. You know maybe I mean? yeah like i couldn't i couldn't find any um any evidence to say that they added herbs or or anything like that but that doesn't that's not to say that they didn't they don't yeah yeah um but what but I, the official recipe just has it as pure clam mm, juice yeah yeah and like as as we'll see later you know people are very protective of their chowder yeah and believe that their regions are superior in every way possible but the thing is why does one have to be better than the other one's a tomato one one's a creamy one why can't you just be like well some nights i'm in the mood for a someone's fucking- got to win that's, yeah, but that, that's the problem. That's the problem. They don't have to be a winner. Everyone win. can be a winner. Some nights I might fancy the tomato can't. one. Sometimes I might fancy the creamy one. Sometimes... No, nope. can't draw a Monopoly. It's got to be a winner. Fair Same enough. with the game of life. <laughs> but the, uh, the... Yeah, so the argument for this one, for the Rhode Island one being the best, is that it's, you're not putting a shit ton of cream mm. or tomatoes in it. You get to really taste... They're going for the purity the clams. Root. Yeah, exactly. You, you get that whole, that full clam hit and you get that full clammy flavour yeah. just wrestling your taste buds, yeah. swirling around your mouth and going down your gullet. That's what you get. God. That is not what you want on a hangover, that. <laughs> nah, n- none of this is. <laughs> none of this is. None Zero. Of, of none of this food is. is hangover food. <laughs> yeah. Zero. <laughs> Literally none of it. <laughs> Right, yeah. So the last one now, before we get into the more of the history and the origins of the humble clam chowder, is the Long Island mm. clam chowder. Okay. This guy is basically the bastard child of the New England style and the Manhattan style, which is kind of fitting right. because Long Island is in between Manhattan and New England. Oh. Makes sense. Right. So okay. this type of chowder is basically a tomato cream-based chowder that ends up looking kind of pink, mm-hmm. kind of like a beetroot soup or something in mm. the end. Or like um, like a tomato sauce that's got mascarpone in it. Mm, exactly, it's kind of yeah. like more of an exactly orangey like colour. Exactly like that. Yeah. yeah, more of an orangey, pinky colour. Okay, sure. fair enough. What's, what was interesting about this one is the way in which it's cooked. How do you think this is cooked, the Long Island clam chowder? If I was just going to use common sense, I'd cook it in the same way as the Manhattan one, the mm-hmm. tomato one. And then mm-hmm. towards the end, I would add in the cream element. Yeah. Because you don't want to... Like, that's exactly what I would do. Yeah. But that's not what they do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so what what I read that these guys do, what I found that these guys do, is that they actually cook both of the two chowders separately before pouring them into the same bowl. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so they cook the cream-based chowder and the tomato-based chowder in separate pots. Mm-hmm. And when they are both ready, just mix them together. <laughs> What benefit is there to that? I Tell know. me the, I found what, this, the reason why. I know, man. I, well, I, we'll get, I found this great quote from a lady called Linda Nenninger, who owns the Chowder Bar. And she said, I'm a big fan of mixing foods. If you have one good soup and another good soup, how can it be bad if you mix it together? <laughs> well, you know, Linda. I fucking well, admire that logic. That's that's the shit that makes America great. Know, shit yeah. like that. <laughs> Literally, this tastes good. So does this. Mix them. Yeah, mix them. <laughs> but you've got two pans there. It's double the washing up. Uh, she, Linda didn't give a fuck. Linda did not give a fuck. No, she's a big fan of mixing foods. How can it be bad if you mix it together? I, I could just imagine her mixing all sorts of horrendous dishes at home that just don't need to be yeah. mixed. <laughs> no. 
like her, Linda's sons, like, Mom, not not this again. Stop <laughs> mixing all the thing. Meatball ice cream. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Yeah, they both taste good on their own, don't they? Why don't we mix them? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, like, instead of Ben and Jerry's, like, you know, the cookie pieces, you've just got meat pieces oh in there. Oh, my God. <laughs> and instead of caramel swirling through it, you've got, like, fucking... Gravy. Dijon mustard or something. <laughs> I don't even think Linda is a Dijon gal. I think she's having, no. like... <laughs> Frenches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which of these four chowders are you messing with, Marlo? Um... I don't know. I I would try them all, to be honest. I mean, yeah. if people are so adamant that each one is, is the best in its own right, then I think we've got to do a taste test with all four, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. If I think if I had to choose, I'd mm-hmm. go with the Manhattan one yeah. or the Long Island one. Yeah. I don't know, just something about cream and fish doesn't really do it for me. I'd eat yeah. it, of course. Like, if I was there, I'd absolutely eat it. Well, what that reminds me of is like a fish pie. You know, like yeah. the fish pie feeling really is, like is, do you know no, not really. Oh, uh, see, I, no. I I fuck with the fish pie. Yeah, um, I'd eat it for sure, but I just maybe I wouldn't order it normally. So yeah, now we know the four most popular types of chowder in America. Let's get into the origins, shall we? Let's get into the history of this uh, fishy dish. This fishy, fishy dish. So whilst we are mainly focusing on clam chowder today, mm-hmm. it's thought that chowders as a whole originated as a shipboard dish. Right. Okay. Basically, it was made aboard ships by seamen. The thing is, I was going to say this before, it seems like if I worked on a ship, the mm. last thing that I would want to eat is something that tastes and smells like the sea, which I'm already spending like a huge portion of my life at. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> think more necessity the... though. What else are you going to eat? Well, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. You, you're there. You just fish on, on the boat, don't you? You've got everything you need. Exactly. But... No, you, you are right. You wouldn't you wouldn't want to be eating that after spending however long at sea, would you? No, no, exactly. But um, necessity. Yeah, 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 true. You know, fortieth day in a row. It's like you're out at sea eating another, another bowl of chowder. Like I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> Boat swaying, you're getting seasick, and you're eating this <laughs> horrendous fish Thick, meal, creamy fishy meal. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're asking, for how something. is it? <laughs> how is it? <laughs> every night, every day. <laughs> how is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, chowders are thought to have first been introduced into New England by French, Nova Scotian, or British fishermen. Mm, And by 1732, chowder had become an an important American dish. So, yeah, introduced by either French, Nova Scotian, or British fishermen, which is, yeah, yeah, which is fair enough. I can see it. The word chowder is a corruption of the French chaudari, which translates to cauldron or boiler cauldron or boiler is what you do with the chowder isn't it i yeah. guess you, you boil it so it makes perfect fucking sense doesn't it yeah think about it and also yeah. like a cauldron you kind of throw a lot of different things into a cauldron yeah and you get here yeah, with the chowder you got some prawns got some clams you got some mm. shellfish you got some of this some of that feels like a bit yeah. of a cauldron situation exactly, exactly. <laughs> come to my cauldron <laughs> <laughs> that's linda again that's Linda, yeah. She's back. Mixing. She's back. Making Long Island clam chowder for her son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, some, some modern etymologists also credit the word chowder to a 16th century English word for a fishmonger called a jouter. Chowter? Jouter. J-A-W-T-E-R. Jouter, okay. Jouter. It's kind of a cool name, isn't it? Isn't it? So the English word jouter 
which they is what they call fishmongers, or was a word for fishmongers, and the French word chaudari, which translates to cauldron or boiler. Mm. Interesting stuff. Now, these early American seafood chowders were made with fish, clams, any other seafood, basically, that they could get their hands on. Um, yeah. Potatoes, crumbled hardtack for thickening, and flavourings such as lemon, cider, ketchup, or even in some cases, curry. Ooh, curry one sounds quite cool. Mm, yeah. Mm. As soon as they arrived regional differences began to spring up all over New England. You had, in places like Nantucket, the islanders did not add crackers or potatoes to the chowder. In Massachusetts and Maine, residents enriched the soup with heated milk or cream. Tomatoes were sometimes used by people living in Rhode Island, Connecticut, and elsewhere. Basically, it was a chowder free-for-all and everyone seemed to be getting in on the act and either making it their own, making it slightly different from their neighbours down the road, or yeah. just trying to put their own stamp on it and yeah, yeah. mark their own identity, really. I mean, it does. It feels like one of those kind of dishes that, you know, is open for interpretation. You know, when you've got mm. like a, a one-part situation, you, you, can, mm. you can afford to add in things or subtract things and change it. You know, it's not like a dish that, you know, has a, a hard roadmap of how to make it no. uh, that's right or wrong. This kind of feels like there's a lot of rights options exactly you know yeah for sure for sure yeah. by 1836 clam chowder was already well known in boston and served at the ye old union oyster house Ooh. which is the nation's oldest continuously operating restaurant see that's the kind of joint that i want to hit up yeah exactly it's about mm. 250 years old which is oh nutty. my god so like that's it. Place. You're going to get the true, you're going to get the real deal mm. there. Yeah, yeah. Like the building that houses the Union Oyster House is 250 years old. <laughs> Herman Melville, who lived from 1819 to 1891, he was an American novelist, devoted a whole chapter in his famous 1851 book, Moby Dick. Mm. Yeah, he writes of the Tripot, which was a chowder house in Nantucket, Massachusetts, which served only cod or clam chowder. He goes okay. on to say... However, a warm, savoury steam from the kitchen served to believe the apparently cheerless prospect before us. But when that smoking chowder came in, the mystery was delightfully explained. Oh, sweet friends, hearken to me. It was made of small, juicy clams, scarcely bigger than hazelnuts, mixed with pounded ship biscuit and salted pork cut up into little flakes. The whole enriched with butter and plentifully seasoned with pepper and salt. Our appetites being sharpened by the frosty voyage, and in particular, Queenquag, seeing his favourite fishing food before him, and the chowder being surpassingly excellent, we dispatched it with great expedition. Some well interesting stuff in that. Mm. The fact that he calls it pounded ship biscuit made me laugh, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, There's those three words together, just, they feel yeah. right. It's, it sounds like a derogatory term for like... Yeah. Shut um, up, you pounded ship biscuit. Like a like a prostitute on a ship or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pounded <laughs> ship biscuit. <laughs> prostitute on a ship. A pounded ship biscuit. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's been pounded by all the fucking yeah, sailors. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and ship sounds like shit. <laughs> but he's actually just... Oh, God. Pounded ship biscuit. <laughs> I'm going to call you out of that when she gets home. <laughs> See what she says. See what she says. Oh, oh, God. I feel like... Um, yeah, I feel like, what's his name? William Defoe in The Lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this, 
you know, this is 1851 yeah. when this came out. So I imagine he wrote it a couple of years before or whatever. Yeah, Moby um, Dick. I've never read Moby Dick, but it's um, no, especially one of the greatest novels of all time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's right up there. But I think he gives quite a good outline of, of how it's made yeah. or how he thought it was made at the time of him mm. writing this. Small, juicy clams, scarcely bigger than hazelnut, mixed with pounded mm. shit biscuit. <laughs> Uh, salted pork <laughs> cut, in, cut up into little flakes uh, enriched with butter seasoned with pepper and salt mm. yeah and then he's just explaining how much they enjoyed it they dispatched yeah, exactly. it with great expedition <laughs> he's using like exactly. ship terminology to explain how much he's enjoying eating it <laughs> that's cool it's cool he, he goes on to write the following fishiest of all fishy places was the tripods which well deserved its name for the pots there were always boiling chowders chowder for breakfast and chowder for dinner and chowder for supper till you began to look for fish bones coming through your clothes the area before the house was paved with clamshells that's a good know. bit of writing that really good bit of writing that isn't it really yeah. very descriptive of the place but chowder for breakfast chowder for oh dinner and chowder for can you supper imagine all three courses just thick bowls of creamy mm. fish soup this is what like, I, mean. I imagine it i imagine it would be mm. No, it probably wouldn't even be that great for you because you're eating a lot of butter, aren't you? And a lot, a lot of milk of butter, and a lot, a lot of cream. cream. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not getting many fresh vegetables. No. Really with no. that. But yeah, for every meal, like it's just a lot. Mm. It's a lot. I feel like this kind of chowder as well. I think I feel like I'd have one and that would be me for the mo- like a month at least. Yeah. Like, there's certain meals again. that when you have, you're like, that was delicious, but... I cannot have another one of those for a long time. It's, it's interesting, his description of, um, kind of gives us like a glimpse into what restaurants were like as well, where they've just got pots mm. always boiling away. It, like yeah. this place probably only served chowder and they just yeah. had it constantly on the go, ready for all sorts of people, all sorts of, you know, mm. seamen that were walking in at God knows what time. It was always a hot bowl of chowder ready to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. And I've also got like a great admiration for places that do one dish mm. and have done that one dish forever. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like they're, they're just absolute masters of, of that one meal. Yeah. And I think they're the kind of places that aren't going to last forever. They're not, no. I mean, well, they, they might do, but there's not many of them, you know, these places that just serve one thing that they've mastered. Um, I think we're seeing a resurgence, aren't we? I think. I think we are, yeah. yeah. But I feel like that's more of like a US thing in general, isn't it, mm. really? Like, they just, they have these places, like, uh, you know, like a bagel shop or something that's been in, like, New York City forever. And yeah. it's like, they just serve salt beef bagels mm-hmm. and that's it. That's it. Yeah. And they've got no intention of making anything else, but you go there, you know you're getting mm-hmm. the best fucking salt beef bagel. Yeah. yeah I feel exactly. like this place that he's describing sounds similar. It's like, they're just smashing the clam chowder, aren't they? Yep, yep. So yeah, by around the mid-19th century, clam chowder has solidified itself in American cuisine and was incredibly popular all over the New England area and beyond. So the first... Global. Glo- no, not yet. Okay. Steady. <laughs> Shut up, ass. <laughs> so the first written reference to North American chowder dates all the way back to 1732. So we've, we've gone back in time a little bit now just to cover the first written reference. But okay. yeah, 1732. And it comes from a New Englander called Benjamin Lind, who basically what he did is he documented his eating habits. He created a food journal, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Cool guy. Um, Way ahead of his time. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure he was giving it to his PT or anything like that. but (laughs) (laughs) This is just uh, the transcripts of his uh, MyFitnessPal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Benjamin, you're light on the protein. Better better uptick. More chowder, more chowder. I don't think any PT is ever saying more chowder, more chowder. <laughs> no. 
more chowder now. Come on. Come on. Well, maybe in America, actually. Maybe that's yeah. what the PTs over there are saying. <laughs> so Benjamin wrote in his journal that he dined on a fine chowdered cod. Ooh. Chowdered cod. Chowdered cod. So that's not a... Ch- is that, what's that? Is that a different so, thing? So, no, I believe it is cod chowder. It's just a, the oh, it's lang- just his way of saying the it. language in which he, he wrote it oh, in, yeah. Okay. I yeah. thought it was more just like a a, co- a piece of cod that's... Boiled. A bit of chowder. <laughs> a little bit of chowder going on. <laughs> That'd be horrendous, wouldn't it? Just That's like, no, no, I'm thinking of more like, you know, a modern fine dining chowder place. It's just like, it's like a beautifully cooked fresh piece of cod. Oh, in, right. You know, a whole cod, but yeah. then it's got like chowder sauce on top. Oh, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> deconstructed clam chowder <laughs> I thought you meant they just caught a cod and boiled it in some water and ate it <laughs> <laughs> no uh, you're probably doing that though um, the first written recipe for fish chowder comes from the Boston Evening Post published on September 23rd 1751 now obviously chowder has been consumed way before this date but this is like the first written recipe we have for it uh, i was actually able to dig into the archives and find this recipe in its entirety so miles oh. if you do the honors please inform the listeners how to make a fish chowder 1751 style first lay some onions to keep the pork from burning because in chowder there can be no turning then lay some pork in slices very thin thus you in the chowder always must begin next lay some fish Cut crossways very nice, then season well with pepper, salt, and spice. Parsley, sweet mandram, savoury and thyme. Then biscuit next, which must be soaked some time. Thus your foundation laid, you will be able to raise a chowder high as the Tower of Babel. For by repeating o'er the same again, you must make chowder for a thousand men. Last bottle of claret with water enough to smother em. You'll have a mess which some call Omnium Gatherum. <laughs> that was perfectly read. <laughs> uh, it's, Matt, a, it's a poem. Yeah, more recipes should like be like this. We should bring this back. Every recipe <laughs> yeah, should be a poem. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't it? Although I, th- I do feel like you're sacrificing some like <laughs> details on how to cook it. Yeah, I mean, like... Because you're trying to make it rhyme. The, the whole <laughs> thing is I mean? utterly useless, to be honest. But <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but it's super poetic. Maybe they shouldn't all nice. be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, you're reading that and you're like, okay, yes, mate, but how long for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like first, uh, right, so first... What temperature? <laughs> first lay some onions to keep the pork from burning, right? So Lay onions on what? On- Where? How? <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I imagine it's a pot, right? And you put the onions in first, right? Because in the chowder, yeah. there can be no turning, right? So once you put so the onions you're in... you the pork off the surface of the pan. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And the, but then once you put the onions in, you can't turn them. You can't stir them. I guess you're going to caramelise them and get them... Well, it says it there. There can be no turning in chowder. There can be no, t- there can be no turning. <laughs> there can be no turning. <laughs> then lay some pork in slices very thin. Right, so that's, okay, that's, okay. that's easy, yeah. Pork what, though? Thus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bacon, pork yeah. shoulder, I don't know. Exactly. Uh, thus you in chowder always must begin. Pointless sentence, doesn't it? Yeah, it rhymes though, so it's nice. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice. Next, lay some fish, cut crossways. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. <Okay>. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. Next, lay some fish. What fish? What fish? Yeah, all the fish. <laughs> Every fish tastes incredibly different. 
but it all tastes very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Could it cross? Yeah. Could it cross? But it's very nice. Then season well with pepper, salt, and spice. What? Again, spice. What <laughs> spice? Umbrella term. <laughs> yeah. There are many spices. <laughs> um, I mean, turmeric is going to give you a different. Yeah. <laughs> Completely yeah. different dish. <laughs> yeah. Parsley, sweets. Did I say that right? Marj- marjoram. Yeah. Marjoram. Sweet marjoram. What is that? I think it's like a Indian spice, no? Is it? Sweet marjoram. Savoury and thyme. Okay. Then biscuit next, which must be soaked some time. Okay, so that's the sea biscuit we were talking about. Middle Eastern marjoram. Oh, is it? Yeah, like a plant. Is it a spice? Yeah, like a, it's like a herb, I think. Okay, so that's, some of that's going in there. Then you soak your biscuit, I'm guessing just in water or milk or something. Yeah, well, what biscuit? Rich tea? I mean, Lotus. it's got to be the, the, sea, the, the sea biscuit. <laughs> it's, that sea, it's that sea biscuit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 it's a hard tack. Okay, so it's one of those. Uh, then this, thus your foundation is laid, you'll be able you will be able to raise a chowder high as the Tower of Babel. Okay. That's not helpful whatsoever. Not helpful. I'm not raising my chowder high up anywhere. No. By, uh, for by repeating OR the same again, so you could just, by doing this all again, yep. you could make chowder for a thousand men. Yeah, you could do that with any recipe. If you make it again, you can make it for more people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, two lines wasted, but yeah. very poetic. Love it. Last bottle of claret with water and no to smother them. So that's putting either a claret, could be wine, claret maybe? Could something yeah but w- water obviously that's your liquid isn't stop it? it being too thick well, oh yeah that's a, that's a chow that's the soup isn't it that's the actual soup yeah, yeah yeah you'll have a mess which some call omnium gatherum you'll have a food that people will gather around for maybe cool recipe though like, right, well, like utterly useless but super poetic if we ever do a what the food recipe book yep we'll be sure to make them all rhyme yep and utterly useless unreadable yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you will buy this book and make None of the recipes from it. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might need a warning in there, like, although this appears to be a recipe book, it is not yeah. for following. Exactly. <laughs> might as well just be blank pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's the first ever written recipe for clam chowder. For fish chowder. For fish chowder. Fish right, chowder. Right. Yeah. 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 The first American cookbook called American Cookery by Amelia Simmons or Simons published her version of the chowder in her second edition of the book in 1800. She served her chowder with a big old bowl of hearty taters on the side. So that's 1800s. In 1824, a cookbook from a Virginia housewife called Mary Randolph used Mm -hmm. basically whatever firm fish she could find, along with salt pork, onions and crackers. However, the crackers were not the main thickening agent in her chowder because she made like a root, which is flour flour and water. Um, to make her to make her soup thick, basically. Right. So next, Lydia Maria Child, who was a women's rights activist, Native American rights activist. Basically, this lady stood up for people that are yeah. having a shit time. Included mm. a recipe in her 1833 version of the American Frugal Housewife. Ooh. She added salt pork, fish, beer, lemon, mm. and a few clams as a pleasant addition. <laughs> Ah, oh, so this is is this where we're starting to see the first involvement of clams? Exactly, yeah. So this Ooh. is the first time that I could find that clams were highlighted yeah. as being added to chowder. Because before it was just fish. It was like whatever exactly. kind of fish you can get your hands on. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, now, now we've got the clams coming in. But yeah. interestingly enough, it isn't until much later that we actually see 
a written recipe for specifically clam chowder. Okay. We have to wait until 1934, so relatively recent in, in the grand scheme yeah. of things. And this recipe was published by Virginia Elliott and a guy called Robert, Robert Jones in their book called Soups and Sauces. Soups and Sauces. The recipe is called Manhattan Clam Chowder despite having no real association with New York or Manhattan. I'm not really sure why they called it that, but mm. nevertheless, the name stuck and has been used ever since, and this is the Manhattan clam chowder that people eat today. Right, okay. Sounds good. Well, it's not, because this delightful little recipe started a fucking war, my friend. Oh my God, really? Mm-hmm. New England and New York have always had a fierce rivalry. You know, you've got the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees absolutely hate each other. You've got the New England Patriots versus the New England Giants or Jets absolutely hate each other there's a rivalry here yeah they're just neighbors though aren't they like? yeah yeah they're not far from each other at all <laughs> not far <laughs> so when elliot and jones published their new york clam chowder recipe it's no surprise that shit kicked the fuck off sending new englanders into a frenzy like it was referred to referred to as notable heresy what Elliot and Jones did by writing their <laughs> <Okay>. recipe. <laughs> what year is this? So this, this is, is 1939. 19- so this is just as World War Two started. <laughs> right. So there's a bigger fucking fish yeah. to fry, excuse the pun. Exactly. And they're, and they're, they're arguing about this exactly. recipe of clam chowder. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. The main clam chowder war of 1939 all started with a tomato-hating politician from Rockland named State Representative Cleveland Sleeper. Cleveland Sleeper. Cleveland Sleeper. Does not like his tomatoes. It sounds like a perfect Urban Dictionary entry, that. What do you, what do you reckon of Cleveland? I'll give you a Cleveland Sleeper. It's like, what's, it, what's the, the football one here? Like the Chelsea Smile or whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they put a credit card in the mouth. And punch him and make him bite down on it. Yeah. Ugh, God. Cleveland the, Sleeper. The Cleveland Sleeper. But that's nah, just his name. That's just his name, yeah. <laughs> My name's Cleveland Sleeper. Uh, what was his whole, what was his vendetta against tomatoes? Well... Well, well, well. He started this war when he drafted a bill to criminalise, criminalise <laughs> the use of tomatoes in clam chowder. What, what the hell? Like, this dude, what? this dude was literally so offended by people putting yeah. a tomato in their chowders that he sought to make those doing it criminals. Right. So, you know, when you have a child, right, and they yep. don't like eating certain foods. Yeah. And they don't actually not like it. It's just the parent is a bit of a wet fart and just doesn't mm. force the child to... to eat properly yeah. and just gives them whatever meals meals they want this is what happens to the child if he then grows up eating whatever he wants like just beans or whatever for mm-hmm. dinner beans <laughs> like <laughs> you know no fresh no he food. wouldn't eat beans though would it because beans are in smart sauce, sauce. <laughs> yeah, so he wouldn't be eating that shit <laughs> eating that. but you know what I mean like a kid's like oh, I don't I don't like vegetables yeah, and then yeah. the, the parents like okay yeah we'll just ne- and then never cooks any vegetables that kid grows up gets into politics and you've got a Cleveland sleeper on your hands yeah well, so you're basically saying that Cleveland Sleeper is uh, King Curtis. He's King Curtis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Goes to his nans for chicken nuggets when he falls out of his mum. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a kid that's grown up not eating any vegetables because he's just been allowed to eat whatever mm-hmm. he wants. Mm-hmm. And he's in a position of power now where he's able to make it a law to remove tomatoes from clam chowder. Yeah, exactly. So the takeaway from this is just take parent your kids correctly. Just feed them tomatoes. It's fine. Yeah. But he didn't stop there. Like he, he proposed that guilty offenders would have to dig up 
a barrel of clams at high tide, which if you if you ask <laughs> any respectable <laughs> any respectable clammer, which is what a, a, a fisherman that <laughs> finds clams is called, the they clammer. will tell you a clammer. Yeah, right. They, any clammer, any respectable clammer will tell you that is not only cruel, but it's impossible to do this. <laughs> it's impossible to dig up a barrel of clams at high tide. It's impossible. Yeah, and probably life threatening. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're going to serious drown. risk of drowning. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> what is this guy? Like, this is 1939. This isn't that yeah. long ago. <laughs> I know, mate. I know. <laughs> luckily, luckily for tomato lovers in America, Sleeper's bill was never approved. But Sleeper... And he went to his nuns for chicken nuggets. And he went for, yeah, just to decompress <laughs> and just let out, vent out his anger. He <laughs> proper jostled his head, got him back into the spirit of it. Yeah. Got him back out there. And he couldn't let it go. He could not let it go. Can he not? No. Sleeper arranged for a New England chef to meet with a Philadelphia restaurant owner and his chef to have a clam chowder cook-off with the other chef. (laughs) Oh, it's all kicking off now. Yeah, man. It's all kicking off. He invited a group of distinguished judges. Uh, One of those was a governor and Mm -hmm. one of those was a lady called Ruth Wakefield, who I imagine we will cover at some point because she is the inventor of the chocolate chip cookie. No way. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Ruth Wakefield. She was there testing the, ch- the clam chowders. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Whoa, yeah. an interesting lady. All right, well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll meet you again. Ruth. See you Ruth. later, Ruthers. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so he, he brought judges. He's having a, a chowder cook-off. Now, I just want to make something clear here. Both mm. of those judges, Ruth and the governor, yep. are from New England. Right. So it shouldn't come as any surprise that the New England clam chowder... Won the cook-off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Typical uh, American political tactic is uh, just paying biased people off. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. They they much preferred the, the, the New England chowder over the Manhattan chowder. And this, of course, led to beautiful uh, newspaper headlines like Maine chowder wins over tomato type and representative sleepers campaign for unpolluted dish is successful. People. So that... Headline is beating like troops land on French beach to defend <laughs> the West. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To defend modern, the modern civilization Life. as we know it. <laughs> Those headlines are like beating that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you got to keep spirits up, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So even, even Sleeper himself said, If a clam could vote, I would be elected president. Well, probably he's, he's probably right. That, yeah, well, there's a lot of clams well, and he'd get all their votes, yeah. Well, actually, if you think about it, would he? Because he's cooking them all He up. is still killing them, <laughs> yeah. but just in a different way. He's using more <laughs> of them than the tomato people. Yeah. Anyway, a few years later, a lady called Eleanor Early, cool name, picked up the anti-tomato crusade in her book called A New England Sampler. In this book, she writes, There is a terrible pink mixture with tomatoes in it and herbs, called Manhattan clam chowder. That is only a vegetable soup, and not to be confused with New England clam chowder. Nor spoken of in the same breath, tomatoes and clams have no more affinity than ice cream or horseradish. Horseradish! (laughs) 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 So this fucking Eleanor really... Yeah, man. She is like, she's fuming. She calls it a vegetable soup, nor it shouldn't be spoken in the same breath as New England chowder. And tomatoes and clams have no more affinity than ice cream and horseradish. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Which I yeah, imagine well, Linda has tried putting together at one point. <laughs> Linda served that yeah. to her children. Yeah. <laughs> Why do they care this much for fuck's sake? Mate. Like, just, there's, there can be two versions. Like, you, you can have a, a bolognese and a carbonara. Why can does you? one have to destroy I the other? Know. Can you? We'll get to that in our Carbonara <laughs> episode. <laughs> nah, uh, Ellen and Easter chill out. Yeah, yeah. But these people clearly hate tomatoes. So I yeah. wanted to find out why. I wanted to dig mm. a little bit deeper. Go off topic a little bit slightly, but I thought it was interesting to find out why. Why are so passionate about this? Yeah, exactly. Why did Sleeper and Early hate tomatoes so much? Mm. Well, one of the theories that I found was that it could have been a hangover from when people believed tomatoes to be poisonous. You know, we've, we spoke about this in our pizza, pizza I think. episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So our tomatoes are obviously from the Americas, so we, we hadn't mm. seen them before the colonial period. And when they yeah. came to us, they look, the, the plant that tomatoes grow on are very similar to night, is very similar to nightshade. That was it, yeah. It was the Romans. They, they, it belonged to like a, a food group of theirs that they thought was poisonous, didn't they? Yeah, it's like a philosophy yeah. of, of eating. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they, it was for long thought that tomatoes were poisonous. Because um, we said it, they look, they, they, you know, if you'd never seen a tomato and you cut one open, you looked inside it, you, your first yeah, thought would be, wow, okay, that's not to be eaten. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, all yeah. those seeds, yeah. the gooey middle bit, like, it's bright red. Mm. It, yeah, it looks poisonous, yeah. doesn't it? Exactly. So that's one of the theories as to why they hated it. It could have been a hangover from this. Yeah. Or yeah. it could have been because tomatoes were seen as witches' apples associated with the dreaded scourge of witches allegedly plaguing the New, Ze- New England colonies in their earliest years of existence. Ooh. See, I love this kind of like yeah, time period, you know, like witch trials and yeah, yeah, New yeah. England witch trials and stuff. Like it's, it's well interesting, isn't it? So I mean, it's horrible. Like fucking oh, yeah. the Salem witch trials were like a dark period in American oh, yeah. history. Yeah. Like you had, you had dozens of Massachusetts women and even a few men yeah. were killed by the yeah, state yeah. simply because they were accused of dabbling in witchcraft. You know, the Salem witch trials, but do you know about the Salem tomato trial? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a thing. Today on Tuesday, the 17th of April, we are putting on trial these four tomatoes. What for? On what grounds? On what grounds? This one too plump. This one too poisonous. This one too juicy. This one we just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a thing. The tomatoes aren't the ones on trial, though, are they? <laughs> Well, no, they might be. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Salem tomato trial, let's fly through it because it's funny as fuck to think about. Right. So prior to 1820, as we've already said, mentioned, people generally believed that tomatoes were poisonous. Yeah. But a guy called Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson was not one of those people. <laughs> to prove his hypothesis, he did the only logical thing a man could do. He walked to the local courthouse carrying a big basket of tomatoes and put them on trial. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously. I made a joke a minute ago, but that is literally, that's literally how it happened. You actually nailed it. Oh God! Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, a crowd soon gathered because yep. why would you not crazy man with a basket yeah. of fucking tomatoes? Yeah. <laughs> Excited right. to watch this dude. Scran a whole bunch of poisonous tomatoes and definitely kill himself. That's that what he was going to do, eat them. He was going to eat them on. to prove to people that they weren't poisonous. Because he, he right. believed that they were, obviously, rightly, that they were not poisonous. And he wanted right, to okay. prove to everybody else by eating a full basket of tomatoes, 
that they're fine. At the local courthouse in New England mm. in 1820, they were all fine. Okay, fair play to him. Yeah. Honourable man at this point. Honourable man, yeah. Take him off the team. Exactly. Accompanying Johnson was a guy named Dr. James Van Meter, who was a respected physician, which, okay. you know, I imagine he brought in along just in case shit did go south. <laughs> <laughs> so he yeah. wasn't entirely sure about it. <laughs> yeah. I am 71% sure I will survive this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, Hence there was, this uh, man with me today. <laughs> I'm supporting Mr. Johnson here, just in case one of the tomatoes infects his brain. <laughs> infects his brain. <laughs> right. So, so, Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson is going to eat a basket of tomatoes. He is. Yeah. Yeah. And just before beginning the trial, Johnson held aloft a tomato and said, The time will come when this luscious Scarlet tomato, rich in nutrition, a delight to the eye, a joy to the palate, whether fried, baked, broiled, or even eaten raw, will form the foundation of a great garden industry. That has to be the most epic thing anyone's ever said before eating a tomato. <laughs> Every time they eat a tomato, I'm going to say that now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what are you having there, mate? Oh, just a uh, t- uh, salad with some tomatoes on it. The time will come when this luscious scarlet tomato, rich in nutrition... <laughs> Just reach over and just grab one off his plate and just yeah, hold it yeah. up. <laughs> a joy to the palate, whether fried, baked, broiled, or even eaten raw, will form the foundation of a great garden industry. And slap it back down on his salad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> no, but he's right, though. I mean, think about tomatoes are yeah, just man. enjoyed worldwide. They're like, you know, must be like a, a billion, 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 billion dollar industry. Mm. He was so right. Yeah. Massively right. Tomatoes are just fucking key ingredient for, yeah, yeah. for every, almost every cuisine. Yeah, 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 for sure. So so what was the outcome of that then? Was that, just, well, that was it from it that day changes, onwards? Changed the people's opinion of the tomato. You know, yeah. Everyone that witnessed right. this dude chow down on a basket of tomatoes and saw that he'd lived a long and prosperous life was like, fucking hell, I should be eating tomatoes. Hilarious story that would, I'd love to... To have a time machine should never have had no, happened. Should never have happened. But I'd <laughs> yeah. love to have a time machine and just go back and just watch it from above, <laughs> just watch it all play out. Just the shocks, the yeah. shocks of uh, every time he puts a smart <gasps> tomato in his mouth, and the crowd like, <gasps> yeah. no, given. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet you there's so many like moments like that in history yeah. that would just be great to just nip back to and for have sure, a look. For sure. <laughs> so oh, there you have God. it. The, or- the origins of, of clam chowder. You know, we, we mm. went a bit off piece at the end, but, you know, on the surface, clam chowder is a simple, simple, simple dish. It's a delicious soup that can be found in all restaurants or many restaurants across across America. But if you dig into its history, you know, it's fascinating to think about how something so seemingly ordinary has such a, an interest in history. Mm. You know, it's a dish that's been argued yeah. over since it was first cooked on American soil. Truly, it's fascinating to think how you know this, this simple soup, basically, can be so complicated in the eyes of some people to the point where they're willing to yeah. call those people that disagree with the way they make it criminals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and make them do slave labour, basically, yeah. as a punishment. Exactly, yeah. Basically putting <laughs> people's lives at risk of drowning <laughs> as they fetch a... <laughs> because you disagree with how to make yeah. this dish. Why can't instead you just all rejoice in the fact that you all love exactly. chowder? <laughs> Like, yeah, it's a different version, but it's chowder. (laughs) You all like it. Like, (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) 
So yeah, as as the debate over what is or what isn't true clam chowder continues to this very day, we can all agree that it has one thing in common. It's a glorified fish soup and y'all need to grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was gonna say it's got fish in it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god. There's bigger there's bigger uh, things to worry about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If it tastes good, it tastes good. 100% 100% mate Enjoy you it. nailed it and I'd like to end Whoa. this episode we started with a quote so let's end with one so mm. I want to end by getting my best mate Miles here to read some inspiring words from fantasy legend Terry Pratchett I find it best to worry about the little things things that can be helped by being worried about such as the making of clam chowder coffee the bigger stuff well you have to handle that as it faces you beautiful beautiful oh, inspiring Terry Pratchett quote don't worry about the big yeah. things just worry about how to make clam chowder and how to brew yeah, your coffee exactly worry, worry about the little things don't don't worry about yeah don't worry about the crippling debt or paying your rent or getting you know getting a car or <laughs> chowder how's it made <laughs> <laughs> how's it made <laughs> oh well there we go the clam chowder there you go there you have it the clam collusion <laughs> as, as the heading said <laughs> for the end <laughs> Damn! Uh, that, that was awesome. That was really cool. Interesting one. That one. I uh, learned a lot. There's a there was a lot to um, get our teeth into. There was. On that one. There was. I didn't think there would be. So I was quite um, quite mm. surprised. And also, when I saw that there was a war, fucking got the old, got the old clam juices going. If you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, hands got clammy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no there's a little bit of everything there there's controversy mm. there's like you said there's war there's there's deep history there's uh recipes witches mm. there's a lot going on there witch and witch it's just just pointing to a basket of tomatoes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no i like i do fancy well, i mean i do ultimately want to try a traditional clam chowder at some mm. point but mm-hmm. I, I just I'm, I'm just gonna save it until i eventually go there yeah 100%. I don't think there's any point really ordering it anywhere but, you know, New England. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, New England um, or around those areas. Oh, yeah, I've just said yeah, the wrong thing on, there. South another army, another <laughs> fucking war. Jesus. <laughs> oh, fucking God. doomsday clocks just moved up an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we have it. That was uh, Clam Chowder. So good job on the research, Andy. Thanks, mate. And, good job uh, on the quotes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let us know uh, what you think of the podcast. Uh, send us an email at uh, whatthefoodpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, send us some uh, feedback. If you've got feedback, me and Andy, are, you know, we're, we're new to the podcast game. Mm-hmm. So we're still very much learning. We're having fun while we do. So, you know, if you guys have got any feedback for us, that's much appreciated. Yes, please. And, you know, if you just want to have a chinwag, talk to us about anything, let us know. And if you want to suggest, uh, you know, a dish to, to cover, we're, we're more than happy as well to um to take some suggestions it'd be mm. cool to see what you guys want to hear about as well yeah. so if it's shit though we're not doing it if it's shit we're not doing it and we'll tell you that it's shit <laughs> <laughs> and we'll read out your name live <laughs> call you out we'll shame you like a real witch child <laughs> uh, okay well we will see you in a couple of weeks for the next episode mm-hmm. and thank you very much for listening we we really do appreciate it mm-hmm. ciao de for now <laughs> you've been waiting for that <laughs> Oh, God. Right. Right. See you next time. See ya. Bye.